Welcome to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories from the violent crime in Chicago making the national spotlight and the continued inflow of non-citizen migrants to Illinois. I'll then join the Center Square's Dan McCaleb to further discuss those stories and more. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Between the consumer price index, inflation, and job reports, it feels like you need a PhD in economics to fully understand the economic news happening around us every day. That's why you need the Everyday Economics Podcast. Join hosts Chris Krug and economist Dr. Orfe Devungi as they help you understand the economic world happening around you every day. Listen to the Everyday Economics Podcast at americastalking.com or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to Illinois in Focus. I'm Greg Bishop. Here are some of the top stories from the past week. Violent crime was the focus of a traveling U.S. House Judiciary Committee in Chicago Tuesday. Testifying was Gianno Caldwell, the Fox News contributor and someone whose teenager brother was shot and killed in Chicago. He said with the end of cash bail and do not chase policies, criminals feel emboldened, turning the Windy City into Gotham City. He said Chicago is savable, but residents have to make if adjustments. the folks in Chicago don't start voting differently, and demanding justice versus becoming numb to what we see as a daily slaughter, then we can't get anything done. We can't have movement. Democrats did not attend the hearing, some telling the media their focus needs to be on crafting a plan to keep the federal government open by the end of the week when funding runs out. Caldwell said their absence Tuesday is disappointing. Many of the folks who've said black lives matter, and they do, but they're not showing that black lives matter by uh, not being here today. Chicago police crime statistics show overall crime up 77% over the past two years, with vehicle theft up 211%. Governor J.B. Pritzker is asking communities outside of Chicago to help house and provide services for the continued flow of non-citizen arrivals, totaling around 15,000. Chicago neighborhood groups shared frustrations with growing number of migrants being housed in their neighborhoods and the drain on resources. At an unrelated news conference Thursday, Pritzker asked other communities from throughout the state to volunteer. I hope that uh, that uh, cities will raise their hands and offer assistance. We have provided uh, grant opportunities for cities that will do that. But he's hedging expectations. So when you think about, you know, well, let's just move them into the wide open spaces of rural Illinois, that's not going to happen because these folks do need help. And those kids need to go to schools, and some of those schools are not big enough to be able to handle the number of kids. The city and state are spending hundreds of millions of dollars on the crisis on things ranging from housing, food, health care, and education. Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up, for Illinois in Focus, I'll join the Center Square Executive Editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, a production of America's Talking Network. I'm Greg Bishop. Knowledge is power, and you deserve to know what happens in your state government. That's why the Center Square's reporting zeroes in on state authorities publishing stories that show where your money goes and who spends it. The Center Square gives power to the taxpayer by tracking politicians' use of the people's money and demanding transparency from state-run agencies. This is how the Center Square equips you, the American taxpayer, to hold your state government accountable. Sign up now for your state's Center Square newsletter at thecentersquare.com. Greetings and welcome to Illinois in Focus, powered by the Center Square. I am Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square Newswire Service. Joining me today is Greg Bishop, the Center Square's Illinois Capitol Bureau senior reporter and editor. How are you today, Greg? 
Well, we are just uh, rocking and rolling. Got uh, uh, an incredible amount of things to, to tackle here in Illinois, Dan. Yeah, and why don't we uh, uh, why don't we start with a, a national focus on the state of Illinois this week, Greg? Um, more specifically, Chicago. Chicago was the focus of a congressional hearing this week in the city of Chicago on gun and other violence that has plagued the city. We live webcast the congressional hearing at thecentersquare.com, and you covered it. Tell us about the hearing, Greg. So this was the U.S. House Judiciary Committee, um, kind of on a, a traveling uh, hearing circuit of sorts. Uh, they've held a similar hearing in New York, and uh, it's not necessarily uncommon, though it is rare uh, that these uh, committees take to the road. Well, um, it was a hearing in Chicago at a Fraternal Order of Police Lodge where they had three witnesses, uh, one being a Fox News commentator who is uh, the brother of somebody who was shot and killed in Chicago. Chicago, uh, and he says he's made it his life mission to to highlight and raise issues with violent crime in Chicago and elsewhere. You also had two retired uh, Chicago police officers, one a detective, one a officer out on the streets uh, who was actually shot five times in there. Uh, partner was 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 murdered. Uh, so they shared their experience of uh, experiencing violent crime in Chicago. Uh, and they had uh, various members of the committee. Uh, they're asking questions. And a lot of the focus, Dan, was on the end of cash bail and Illinois being the first state to end cash bail statewide. But the uh, committee also heard about lax policies in general from uh, local uh, prosecutors and even policies within the Chicago Police Department under previous mayors and the current mayor, uh, raising issue with more violent crime. Uh, the, the statistics were brought up multiple times, and if you look at Chicago police statistics, uh, it shows uh, a variety of uh, different types of crimes are up by double digits in some cases. I think over the past two years, uh, motor vehicle theft is up 211%, uh, as are robberies up around 40-some-odd percent in the past two years. So uh, they're definitely tackling a lot of uh, tough issues, but it seemed to really circle around the uh, idea of uh, policies being put forward by prosecutors and by the Democrat-controlled statehouse. Interesting to note, Democrats were not available at that committee. Uh, they did not attend even in Democrat-controlled Chicago. Uh, they did not attend this hearing uh, brought by the U.S. House Judiciary Committee and Republicans. Uh, and they said that uh, the, the work that they need to be doing is back in Washington, D.C. to get a budget together for uh, the, the the possibility of a government shutdown by the end of the week. So while the focus was on violent crime, there seemed to be uh, a lot of politics at play as well. Yeah, and then Democrats who did not show up, the committee members, congressional Democrats, said they weren't doing it because it was just a Republican political stunt. But you, you just quoted the crime stats uh, there, Greg. Violent crime before the cashless bail law went into effect earlier this month. I mean, it's been an ongoing issue with Chicago and the you know the residents who live there, many of them anyway, I'm sure can attest to the problem. Uh, State's attorney, uh, Cook County State's attorney, Kim Fox, has been has taken criticism for her approach to prosecuting criminals. Did her name come up at all during this hearing? 
She was uh, definitely mentioned several times, uh, and uh, even one of the retired police officers um, saying that uh, they hope the next state's attorney uh, shores up the uh, criminal prosecution element of that office, because uh, Kim Fox is not running again. Uh, she had announced she's not going to be seeking uh, re-election, so uh, that opens that field up. Uh, so I think uh, you know whoever is going to be looking to uh, take that office. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna have a, a tall order to tackle uh, when you have retired law enforcement and others from Chicago, uh, even those neighborhood groups on the streets. Uh, they don't feel safe. Uh, there have been you know countless instances of people even being robbed in broad daylight, and uh, stories after story of what seems to be you know groups of people with firearms uh, doing uh, you know uh, vehicle hijacking and uh, robbing people on the streets. Uh, so uh, it's it's obviously a great growing concern in Chicago. And I think one thing that uh, the U.S. House committee uh, was trying to highlight, even though they acknowledge there's not much they can do uh, to to, you know, have federal law uh, in a way require uh, the local prosecutors or the state of Illinois to have certain policies. But uh, some Republicans did say by highlighting what's going on in Chicago and elsewhere, it could uh, show what types of policies uh, that that local officials should not implement uh, if they want to make sure that uh, public safety is top of mind. God, that was going to be my next question was, is there anything that's going to come out of this? Was this mostly a fact finding mission by the committee? Certainly, uh, Congress can't dictate police and uh, judicial uh, system matters to the city of Chicago. Yeah. And and one of the questions asked was, is Chicago savable? And that was a question from Florida Congressman Matt Gates. And uh, one of the witnesses said, um, well, you know, it seems like the city of Chicago, the Windy City, is is actually turning into Gotham City. Uh, he believes that it is savable, but he urged for people to uh, change their uh, uh, who they elect uh, to you know elect better leaders and to focus on uh, true criminal uh, justice policies that uh, uh, don't allow for for the streets to become rampant with violent crime. Well, thank you for re- reporting on that uh, very important topic, um, particularly to Chicago residents, Greg. But let's move on. Speaking of Chicago, another story out of Chicago, as we've reported uh, over the past year plus at thecentersquare.com, and we, you and I have talked about this uh, on Illinois and Focus, too, is the dozens and dozens of buses that are being shipped to Chicago of foreign nationals who have entered the country who have crossed the border, whether legally or illegally, um, in Texas and other border, southern border states, that continues to be an ongoing issue. Housing of those uh, migrants uh, who have been transported to Chicago is a concern. Um, uh, you, uh, we wrote again at this this week at thecentersquare.com about that ongoing problem. And as more and more buses arrive, I think we've said that more than a dozen buses have just have arrived in the uh, in just in the past week alone. Um, what is Chicago and the state doing about it? Yeah, a lot of tax dollars involved here as well, uh, let alone all of the humanitarian concerns. Uh, you know, we've seen the videos and uh, just walking down the streets in Chicago. Uh, people can see it. The, uh, the, the, the number of migrants that um, are in police stations, sleeping in lobbies or at a YMCA or at a, a hotel uh, and uh, all of the various uh, uh, problems that arise thereafter. We've seen about 15,000 migrants arrive to Chicago over the past year, 15,000. 
thousand. Now, while New York's dealing with what sixty thousand or so, uh, either way, you've got a, a tremendous amount of resources that are needed. Uh, we've got uh, as well how much that's going to be for um, uh, migrant uh, base camp tents, and this is uh, an idea that uh, the city of Chicago is moving forward with a thirty million dollar contract to have uh, migrant base camps heading into the winter months. Uh, so even Governor J.B. Pritzker on Thursday, he said that he's raised concerns about that, but he understands that that's not the only option for the city of Chicago. Uh, so while the city is uh, you know, spending tens of millions with an estimated hundreds of millions of dollars of a budget gap, a lot going to the migrant situation, the state's uh, giving money as well, Tens of millions of dollars for housing, uh, let alone the uh, more than half a billion dollars in the budget for uh, non-citizen health care over the age of 65, uh, fully taxpayer subsidized. Uh, but you've got, uh, you know, again, those humanitarian concerns. Uh, but with the, the ongoing crisis in Chicago, um, you've got the governor now asking for other jurisdictions throughout the state uh, in the suburbs or elsewhere to assist. And uh, the governor said today that uh, on Thursday, as we're recording this and the stories at the center square.com, they're giving grants to, to local cities that will volunteer to assist in this. How much that type of program is going to cost? We'll have to get to the bottom of, uh, but the governor is uh, seeing uh, the, the issues in Chicago. Uh, and he says he's working with uh, federal and city officials to get tax resources where they're needed. Uh, but uh, with the, the growing number of buses, 22 just in the past week, uh, going to Chicago, it's, it's obviously the, uh, the drain on resources impacting those neighborhoods. And even neighbors uh, saying that you know, they don't have any room uh, and they're pushing for you know, taxpayer dollars to go to the, to the neighborhood for, for improvements or for programs. But instead, they're seeing a lot of resources being used for the new arrivals, the non-citizens. Uh, this is uh, this is compounding quickly, and even Governor uh, Pritzker today uh, indicating that uh, he's he's asking for other jurisdictions and municipalities to step up and help. And he acknowledged, he says, you can't just put these new arrival migrants in some rural field in Illinois. That's not going to happen. You need the facilities. So he's asking for those cities to step up and that they have those those resources and those facilities uh, to to possibly take on some of the uh, the burden of. Uh, dealing with this this crisis uh, and how this crisis ends, not sure, uh, because Chicago is a sanctuary city. Illinois is a sanctuary state. And what that means is the city and state do not assist federal immigration officials for uh, deportation orders if that's the only reason to go after a non-citizen. Uh, so that's where the sanctuary policies come into play. But uh, the governor says that Republican states need to step up and help out as well, aside from just the sanctuary cities and states uh, taking on that burden. Yeah, and one, one other thing that Governor Pritzker has, has, has done previously, and that's been highly critical of Texas governor, Texas' re- Republican governor, Greg Abbott, who is behind at least part of the busing of these uh, migrants to Chicago, to New York City, to Washington, D.C. and other sanctuary cities. But of course, Texas has the longest U.S. border with a foreign country, uh, in this case being Mexico, and that's where the vast majority of these migrants are passing through into Texas. And they've seen millions of um, migrants cross the border, many of them illegally, since um, President Joe Biden has taken office. And and Governor Abbott himself has said, this crisis is not going to end in Texas in Chicago or elsewhere, 
until President Biden steps up and closes the border. So I don't, and uh, you know, President Biden facing re-election next year um, looks to be the Democratic nominee um, for president uh, again. Uh, but he's got another what sixteen months in office at least. Um, so I don't see this changing anytime uh, in the near future, Greg. But let's move on. We've talked a lot on Illinois in Focus and written a lot about the at the centersquare.com about the embattled Illinois Department of Children and Family Services, all of the issues they've been facing. Well, we reported this week at the centersquare.com on a new uh, Auditor General report um, highlighting many of those issues. Tell us about that. Yeah, so uh, it's been an ongoing issue with the state's agencies. Uh, they get audited every year or every other year and several different types of audits, compliance audits or financial audits. And um, this week we've seen uh, compliance audits out for the Illinois Department of Corrections and the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services. So let's start with the adverse opinion that was given for the state's child welfare agency, DCFS. DCFS has been plagued with all kinds of problems uh, from uh, how they they manage caseloads to even the safety of DCFS employees uh, who have to go out into the field and handle um, you know situations in families where there might be allegations of abuse. Uh, but some of the findings that the Auditor General uh, highlighted to make it an adverse opinion, which is not something that auditors just throw around like candy. That's a very limited uh, opinion to highlight uh, a pervasive problem that consistently happens with a certain state agency. The Child Welfare Agency, DCFS, being the one of this particular report where they did not, in a timely fashion, report to even schools as to uh, you know allegations of abuse. They're supposed to be doing these things uh, within a certain time frame, and the auditor testing a variety of cases found that they were not following uh, those proper procedures and actually delaying reporting to schools uh, about uh, alleged abuse uh, and even reporting to law enforcement uh, certain instances of child neglect and abuse. Uh, they're supposed to be reporting these things within 24 hours. There were some instances where they tested the cases and found that it was 48 days or so before they actually reported some things. So these stack on top of each other with DC. CFS with all of the other reports that there are uh, from the Auditor General and elsewhere. Uh, but you've also got the story of AJ Friend, a five-year-old who uh, was murdered by his parents. And you've got two former DCFS employees who did not follow policies on trial. That trial resumes next month. And that's just a, I guess, in a way... Uh, a tragic story uh, that uh, allegedly is the result of uh, not following the types of policies uh, that really are highlighted in the Auditor General's report released this week of DCFS. So DCFS was one issue, and obviously there's going to be a lot more attention on that uh, in the days and weeks ahead. Uh, you've got the Illinois Department of Corrections. Uh, they also had an audit. It was not an adverse audit, but still findings there, uh, dozens of findings, and even I think 40 repeat findings, findings that are found year after year after year after year according to the Auditor General. There as well, the one really th big thing that stuck out, aside from, you know, employees at the state's prisons not, you know, having proper training in a timely fashion, um, another really glaring thing that was uh, part of the IDOC audit, the Illinois Department of Corrections audit, 
was that um, they were not reporting to local law enforcement when they were releasing uh, individuals who were serving time for a variety of different types of uh, sex crime related crimes. Uh, from from child, uh, you know, uh, sexual exploitation to uh, a variety of other things, people who should be on the sex offender registry. Uh, so while they may have reported to local law enforcement, it was not in a timely fashion. Uh, and that was another pretty uh, glaring thing from the Illinois Department of Corrections report. Uh, and these audits are, are important. And even Governor Pritzker uh, over the summer recognized the importance of the audits. Uh, but he said that, uh, you know, sometimes uh, findings are repeat because state statute isn't clear and technology's updated. So they don't have to follow the same procedures. So he kind of blamed uh, previous audit findings on things like that. But he says the new findings are things that we should be taking a look at uh, it can give some indication of how uh, certain policies might have to change. But it's not just these two. We've had other audits, if you recall, the Illinois Department of Employment Security and all the taxpayer fraud from unemployment that went out. Uh, you've got numerous audits of that agency uh, that are stacking on top of audits of uh, a whole bunch of other state agencies. Uh, but it really does give taxpayers a bit of a, a view inside how government can be functional or how government could be dysfunctional. Interesting, sad, but uh, thank you for your uh, insight into that story, Greg. We, listen, we have time to talk about one more um, story. Again, we've written a lot about at the centersquare.com about Illinois' declining population, d- despite what some want to say that Illinois is growing and not losing population. All of the evidence points to people fleeing the state for other states, net out migration. We've also reported and talked about here about Illinois' worst-in-the-nation pension system, um, underfunded liability of at least $140 billion. Some actually put it at much higher than that. And now uh, we wrote a story this week sort of connecting the dots between those two different storylines. Declining population, of course, means fewer taxpayers in the state, Greg, and that means fewer taxpayers to pay into the pension systems. Tell us about this. Right now, Illinois is spending one out of every five tax dollars it takes in from taxpayers. They're spending one out of every five of those on pensions. So of the 50 plus billion dollar budget, more than $10 billion is going to pensions. Uh, so that just kind of puts into perspective as to how much of each annual budget goes into pay for the funds that ultimately go to fund those who are no longer working. Uh, and after a decade or so of continued population decline in Illinois, where you've got year after year, I think nine of the past 10 years, there's been population decline, uh, including Illinois losing a seat in Congress because of reapportionments and a uh, declining population. So um, with that, uh, you've got this worry that fewer taxpayers are, means less money going into state coffers to pay for things like pensions, uh, while the pension cost continues to increase. And uh, one thing that uh, State Representative Marty McLaughlin highlighted is uh, – in order to reverse that, you need to reverse the outbound migration. You need to create jobs. You need to attract employers. Uh, you need to have a business environment that does that so you can then attract more workers, more people living in Illinois, uh, and thereby creating more tax revenue to pay off 
the uh, the pension debt. Uh, but pensions obviously are a big issue. Uh, I don't know if we're necessarily going to hear a lot about pensions during fall veto session, which starts October 24th. Dan, hopefully you've got that on your calendar. Of course, us at the Center Square in Springfield and elsewhere are definitely ready to be on the ground uh, to cover all that happens during that six-day session. I don't think pensions are going to be a focus there, but I guaranteed after the beginning of the year, uh, for the second year of this two-year General Assembly, uh, the state's public sector pensions with a debt of $140 billion and an estimated per capita cost of $37,000 per each man, woman, and child in Illinois, guaranteed that uh, that pensions are going to be part of the conversation uh, after the new year. Well, again, Greg, thank you to, for, to, for your insights into these important stories, but we are uh, now out of time. Our listeners can keep up with these ongoing issues at thecentersquare.com. For Greg Bishop, I am Dan McCaleb. Thank you for listening and please subscribe.